Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. getting my office set up and I found in there it was a little card so we had a little artist in the church that had uh, left me a little card and so uh, thank you for the little blessing uh, in my office and then somebody else had left a book and it said don't quit before you finish <laughs> and so I'm like all right Lord what are you telling me what did I miss uh, miss on this uh, but uh, well I'm glad to be here are you glad to be here today are you ready to bless his name? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, so we are in the final week of a series called Think Differently. And if you would, open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 45 and place a little marker there and then turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 and put a marker there as well. And I'm excited to tell you that we only have 44 days left in 2018. All right, now I don't know if that's a good news, if that's scary. That means that Christmas decorations are about to start coming out next week if they haven't already showed up at your house. Um, and we're about to wrap up this series called Think Differently. 21 days to transform your outlook on life. And what I want you to understand is that we really can transform, not change, not alter, not modify, but we really can transform our life if we would embrace what God has shared with us and being able to have a grateful spirit regardless of our circumstance. See, it's easy to be grateful when things are going well, when um, we see the blessings and they're overflowing. It's a little harder when those blessings aren't so obvious, to have that spirit of gratitude. And the, the way that we have to do this, to be able to think, T-H-A-N-K, differently, we need to be able to think, T-H-I-N-K, differently. And how do we think differently? Well, we have to change our perspective. We've got to, instead of look at things the way that we want to look at them, we need to be willing to look at them the way that God is looking. Because he sees our circumstances much different than we see them. And once we are able to with faith, see it the way God sees it, it transforms the way that we look at life. Well, you know, I shared each week with you that I was going to give you a biblical principle, a biblical context, and a biblical response. And so uh, the first week, the biblical principle was to find your blessings. They're there. They're all over. If you just slow down a little bit and look and, and think about things a little differently, you will see the blessings that God has poured out into your life. And the biblical context of that was I shared with you in the book of Luke about ten lepers. And um, how many of the ten lepers were healed? All of them. How many came back and thanked Jesus? One. You know, and I really, I think that that's probably indicative of us in that ten of us are being blessed every day, but only one of us goes back and thanks God for those blessings. And then the biblical response for when we find our blessings is to thank God for what he has given. Because he's given us. So much. Well, week two, the principle was to find the good when the bad is all around. It's not so easy. The smile's not always there. 
But you know what? That's what God wants us to be able to do, is to find the good when bad surrounds us. In the biblical context of that, we found in Acts when Paul and Silas were in the jails and the chains fell off. And because they praised God in his chains, the jailer and his entire household were saved. And the biblical response to that is to thank God for who he is. You know, sometimes it just doesn't make sense why God allows things, why he allows us to be put in prison, why he allows the chains to be on us. It it doesn't make sense to us. But, you know, it's in those times that we have to be able to thank God for who he is and praise even in spite of that. Well, this week I want to talk to you a little more about the benefits of being grateful. You know, and I I told you that... um, when we use gratitude, we experience some benefits. And much to what Gary alluded to, uh, the prescription of counting your blessings. It helps our physical health. It helps our mental health. It helps our relationships. But today, where I really want to focus on, when we develop that spirit of thankfulness, that spirit of gratitude that God has ordained in Scripture, what you'll find out is it will help improve our decision-making. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I just uh, lift up our church. Lord, I ask that you would help us to learn to think differently. Lord, that we would um, not walk by all the blessings that you've poured out on us so graciously, but yet we we would see them and we would thank you for them. And Lord, I'd ask you that you would help us that even in the tough times when and it seems like we're surrounded by the enemy, Lord, you, you remind us that you're right there with us and give us that strength to be able to praise you in our chains and then lord i just ask that you would help us today to seek to know and seek to understand things from your perspective in jesus name i pray amen well how many of you have ever had a scar that you wish you could get rid of anybody all right yeah a a room full well, one of the first scars that, that I had seen growing up, my, my dad, when he was in his um, late 20s, had open-heart surgery. And so he had one of those scars from open-heart surgery. And, and as a kid, I was just enamored with that and, um, you know, didn't realize what all it meant, but, uh, you know, thought that was very cool. And so when I was about 12 years old, I, had, um, I was doing some acrobatics off the bleachers, and I fell, and I caught myself on a sharp piece, and I had a scar that ran. I mean, it was, it was impressive. It, you know, it went all the way around here. And, and, you know, I like to go around without my shirt on back then, and so people could see the scar, all right? I was, I was proud of this scar. But I found interesting as um, a couple years ago, Carrie and I were driving and, and uh, she was sharing with me something that she was going through in a a class that she was taking. And she shared about how that they asked, were there things about your body that you wanted to change? And and one of those things was she had a scar. And so she initially thought, you know, I'd love to be able to, to change that scar. But then she changed the way that she was thinking about that scar. You know, because, I mean, the scar was, compared to my, you know, what I thought was 18 inches, maybe four, and compared to my dad's, you know, super scar, um, the scar was tiny. But yet it was one that she saw all the time. And so the reason why she had that scar was right after our, young, our, our youngest son was born, they took her, you know, he was born... He went one way, and then they took her into surgery. 
And this scar was left over from that surgery. And when she was thinking about the scar, boy, it would be so nice if it wasn't there and and it wasn't visible. And I didn't think that I'm deformed because I see that scar. But now she changed and the way that she sees that scar is what does she see? She sees our youngest son. She sees all the memories that she's had with him. And what's even more powerful is she sees that she's still here. Because there was four weeks in our life that were touch and go, and we didn't know, and, and all we had was God to reach out to. And when you're a young couple and the wheels of life fall off, and you've got a, a young family and, and two young boys, all of a sudden, those scars are magnified. But when you look at it, years from now, you'll be able to look back at those scars and you'll see something very different. Today, the biblical principle that I want to share with you is this, being able to find the answer in unanswered prayers. Now, I know I'm going to be quoting the great theologian Garth Brooks (laughs) when he sung about, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers. It's probably a different uh, version than that, but, you know, our verse for this series has been 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, to give thanks in all circumstances. To give thanks when the blessings are just piled up under the Christmas tree. To give thanks when you're in the chains. And what those chains look like for you, I don't know. Those chains may be health-related. They may be financial-related. They may be your car broken down. They may be the job that you can't stand. I don't know what your chains look like. But I do know this, that our Savior tells us to praise him in the chains. Because I'm not convinced that he's going to remove the chains until we learn to do that. You know, when it talks about finding the, the answer in unanswered prayers, you know, I shared with you the anatomy of, a, of gratitude is this. We need three things. We need a benefit, the benefactor, and the beneficiary. Where in the world is the benefit when the prayer is unanswered? It's hard to find. It doesn't make any sense. But you know what? I believe that there's a benefit there. And here's the problem. If we miss out on any one of those three things, what we end up with is ingratitude. And when we experience a life of ingratitude, that grows. It doesn't get better. It grows, and we end up being bitter. You know, and God doesn't want us to have a spirit where we're bitter. He doesn't want us to look at the chains that he's allowed into our lives as something that should never have happened or been there. He knows if the chains were there improperly. He knows that. If the chains were there through someone else's negligence or through someone else's misdeeds or evil deeds, he knows that. But he says, praise him in spite of that. If you open up your Bibles to Genesis 45, I want to share with you the biblical context of finding the answer in unanswered prayers, and that's this. You need to trust God. Now, it's easy to say that. It's easy for us to amen that. It's a whole different story to actually trust God. Genesis 45 and verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with them when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, 
I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Do you realize that Joseph has changed? Joseph didn't look anything like what his brothers last saw when they threw him into a pit, drug him out, and sold him into slavery. So he doesn't look anything like that. His brothers are being told, I'm Joseph. They don't believe him. In verse 4, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And as they came near, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, don't be distressed or angry because you you understand what they're probably thinking about now. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I remember exactly what we did to you. I remember what I said to you. I remember spitting on you. I remember wishing that I could kill you because it was one brother that saved him from dying. Verse 5, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Why? For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. Verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here. It wasn't you that put me in the pit. It wasn't you that sold me into slavery, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and the ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now, I got to tell you, Joseph had a lot of scars. If you look at Joseph's life, uh, Joseph had a dream when he was 17 years old. And in that dream, his brothers would bow down to him one day. If you're a 17-year-old brother, what do you do with a dream like that? You tell your brothers. Hey, guys, did you uh, know this? You're not going to believe what happened to me last night. After a little bit of pizza and Pepsi, uh, I had this dream, and you all are going to be one day my servants. And I think whoever said they slap him, that's what they want to do to him. Yeah, they're like, come here. Look, you know, In the military, we call it wall-to-wall counseling. You know, It's like where you take them and you slam into one wall and say, I'm sorry about that. Let me help you out over here. And then you slam them into another wall. That's, that's what big brothers do to little brothers who say, one day you're going to serve me. You know, so he had some scars from that. Why? The Bible says that his brothers hated him. Now, folks, I've been in family relationships that could be called dysfunctional, all right? But you know what, I, what amazes me is that, like, you'll see a brother and brother or brothers and sisters going at it, but if somebody else does that, uh-oh, step back. They will hurt you, right? I mean, they just, like, punched him out, and then you said something bad, and then they come and beat you up and all your brothers, Joseph didn't have that. He didn't have that relationship with his brothers. His brothers only wanted one thing, and that was to destroy him. That probably leave a couple scars, don't you think? Not only that, um, by the time he's 18 years old, he sold, or he finds himself in a pit. And if you read the scriptures, it's talking about him crying out for help. Get me out of here. And just when the rope comes down and he climbs out, what do they do? They don't brush him off and say, oh, we were kidding, you know. No. They sell him to be a slave into Egypt. You think that's going to leave a couple scars? You better believe it leave a couple scars. Your brothers did that. Well, another scar he got was in Potiphar's house. 
For between seven and nine years, he spends serving Potiphar as a slave, and then he's betrayed by Potiphar's wife. Did he do anything wrong? Was he honorable in that situation? But what's he find himself in now? He's in prison again. Do you think that left some scars? Do you think he questioned about that dream that God had given him a long, long time ago? Well, now he's in prison. And sometime between two and four years, he reveals a dream to uh, two men who worked for the king, and one wasn't so good, and one was phenomenal. And eventually, the pharaoh has a dream and doesn't understand it, and no one can share that dream with him. And, um, and so his fellow prisoner tells somebody that, hey, you know what, there's this guy in prison, and I, you know, this is what he did for me. I, um, I don't know if he can help pharaoh out. Next thing you know, he's standing before Pharaoh. Next thing you know, he's 30 years old, and he's the second command of Egypt. Now, do you think this 30-year-old that's in, in charge of Egypt has some scars in his life? He does. Do you think some of them are pretty big and ugly? I bet you they were. Do you think that when Joseph was in the pit that he prayed and asked to be God to get him out of the pit? I'll bet he did. Do you think when he was a slave in Potiphar's house that he asked God, Jehovah Jireh, to deliver him and get him out of this circumstance? I'll bet you he did. But he didn't think that it was going to be out of there into prison. Do you think while he's in prison, he's praying to God the whole time, get me out of here, God. I don't deserve to be here. My brothers betrayed me. Do you think he made some of those prayers? I think he did. And let me ask you this. Do you think that he ever thought God answered any of those prayers? I would argue that Joseph probably believed that none of his prayers were answered. Now think about this. He prayed, get me out of the pit. And he was taken out of the pit, but that's not what he meant. He meant, get me home to my father. And, and God said, I, I, I can't send you home yet. I, I got something bigger for you to do. I'm going to need you to... to to go to Egypt as a slave. And then while he's in Egypt as a slave, he, he's doing a good job. He's working the best he can. And it's everything he touched was blessed. And then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife puts some moves on him, lies about it, and now he's being thrown into prison. Do you think he asked God why? Why did you do this, Lord? How could you allow this to happen? I've been faithful. Do you think he had some unanswered prayers? I think he did. And so finally, he's in power. Finally, he's now 39 years old because they've gone through the seven years of uh, plenty. And he has been in charge of putting all of this together for Pharaoh. And now all of a sudden, he finds himself in charge. He's 39 years old. His brothers are standing in front of him. And that's where we picked up the scene in verse 1 of chapter 45 in Genesis. Let me ask you this. What is the dream that God has placed in your heart? What has he put there a desire for you to do and accomplish? And yet, you've probably found yourself in a pit. Like, man, you know, that was a wonderful dream, God, but I don't understand why you're letting this happen because that doesn't line up with what you put in my heart. 
Or if you're not in the pit, you may find yourself in the prison. Like Paul and Silas, and the chains are tight. And it doesn't make any sense. And you've been more faithful to God than you've ever been in your life. And the chains just get tighter and tighter. Or maybe it's just that you got some brothers like Joseph had. And maybe they're not your brother. They might be your sister. They might be your mom, your dad. They might be your son, your daughter. And they test everything that's holy in you in the name of Jesus. So what should our biblical response be to this when we have unanswered prayers? Well, I believe it's this, that we need to thank God for what he is doing. Was God working in Joseph's life when he was in the pit? This would be a good time to respond. Um, Was he working in Joseph's life when he was sold into slavery in Egypt? Yes, he was. Was God working when Potiphar's wife betrayed him so that he was thrown back into prison? Yes or no? Yes, he was. Was he working in prison when the guys forgot about him being the guy that could tell dreams? God was working the entire time. The problem is we want to be like Joseph on the other end when there's power. And what God wants us to do is to take our mess and make it our message. God wants us to take what's wrong in our life and show to everybody else that even if I don't have a new car, even if I don't have a new job, even I didn't win the lottery, even if all the good things aren't happening to me, I am going to bless his name. Because whether or not you realize this, there's people who are watching you. They're watching you every day. They watch when somebody cuts me off in traffic. Thankfully, you guys, not everyone in the city knows my car yet. I got to think twice now. They're watching us. And they want to see what are we going to do when we're in the pit. They want to see what are you going to do when your God allows you to be thrown into prison. They want to see what are you going to do when those chains get tight and cold at midnight. Because they need to see you bless his name. Because we've talked about how good God is in our lives. And yet when the crucible happens and our life starts to catch on fire, sometimes, and I've confessed this, God's not the first person I reach out to. But God is a holy, just, faithful God, and he'll wait. And matter of fact, you may get to the point, I've had this happen in my life, where I've, I've cried, Uncle, God, I can't take any more. And he's taken me out of that situation. And he allowed me to go to the hospital and to get bandaged up. And then I got healthy. And then he put his arm around me and says, Ronnie, you know, we had, a, we had a test a couple of months ago that you failed. You asked me to take you out of it, and I took you out of it. But I need you to do it one more time. You see, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's so easy to see what God was doing in our lives five years from now. Like right now, it's kind of an exciting time here at Temple Baptist Church. Something's going to happen, right? New things are coming, possibly, right? And they could be scary, though. You know, is it going to look like a pit, a prison, or power? 
I don't know what it's going to look like to you, but I can tell you this, that this is where God wants us. And what he wants us to do is to praise him, whatever it looks like, whatever it feels like, whatever it sounds like. Why? Because there's a bunch of folks. You know, there's 50,000 people within 15 miles of this church. There's 50,000 people who need to see a church that praises God even in the pit. That praises God even in the prison. That praises God even when your brothers betray you. That's what our community needs to see. They need to see us that when life has given us lemons, that we thank the Lord and make lemonade. That's what they need to see. The question is, are we going to do that for them? Because here's what I believe we need to be, and that is future-minded with great expectations. Yep, we're in the pit. It ain't fun. It's ugly right now. Matter of fact, I'm mad at everybody. But you know what? I'm supposed to be in the pit. And so I don't know how I'm going to think differently about this, Brother Ronnie, but I want to do it. And then we're going to praise his name. I asked you to put a mark there in Hebrews chapter 12, if you would turn there now. And read verses 1 and 2 to you. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. All right? So what this means is not everything we do is sinful, but there's a bunch of things that we do that are hurting our testimony, are hurting our walk with the Lord. And it's not a sin, and you could keep doing it all you want, but it's slowing you down. It's not helping you get to that point where God can um, answer the prayer ultimately. And he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin. You know what? Let's just be honest. There's a lot of that going on too. I can go back to a sermon where we said, just confess it. All right, that's all you got to do. And he is waiting to forgive you. And every sin which clings so closely and lets us run, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Every one of us in here have a God-given purpose on our life. Some of it's to pastor a church, some of it's to do something else in the church, or some of it's just to, there's someone in your life that needs you to love on them and be there with them for them right now where they're at. See, I don't know what God's purpose for your life is. I don't know what it looks like. And I, I will never ever be the one that comes and tells you what it is. But I can tell you this, that I know that there's a race that has been set before you. And I believe this, that you know what the race is. Sometimes we're just too scared to say it out loud. Because once we say it out loud, someone holds us accountable to it. Well, wait a second. Didn't you say you were called to be a pastor? Ah, I preach every day. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You see, because really this is what's missing is faith. What was the um, biblical context? To trust God. What's the one word for trust God? Faith. So God is the perfecter, the founder of our faith, if we allow him to perfect it. He's the one who's given us our race if we're willing to run it. But listen to this. Listen to this. He's not just telling us. He showed us what it looks like. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross? How, I, I, 
how in the world could God take those words and put it into Scripture and say that Jesus joyously, with a glad heart, took on the cross? Because that's what he did. See, that's how he can say, I need you. I need you to have some joy down in that pit right now. I need you to have some joy in that prison. I need you to have some joy with your brothers right now. I need you to have some joy. The answer's coming. The race is going to be run. You are going to win if you don't quit. Because Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated right now at the right hand of God the Father. That's why we're here this morning. That's why God wants you to praise him in the pit. That's why God needs you to praise him in the prison. That's why God needs us to bless his name. Why? Because he is the the founder and the perfecter of our faith. But the only way that he can perfect our faith is with our support. You see, he won't make us do that. If you're not saved, God will not make you get saved. But what he said is, I gave my son that anyone who will believe and allow his sacrifice on the cross to be the atonement for their sins, it's applied. What do we do with that? Can we, like Jesus, with joy, go through the challenges? You know, the first week I made this statement, that is, until Christ is all that you have, you'll never know that Christ is all you need. You know, we look at life, especially this time of year, as we think about Christmas and we start putting our Christmas list together. And I think as Christians, we have Christmas lists all year long that we share with Jesus. And as God answers those prayers, we feel like that we've got a better relationship with him. But I'm telling you, the, the, throughout the Bible, I show you time and time again that it's until Christ is all that's left, you don't realize how much that, that's all you need. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.